Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Huddle, produced and presented by Leeds Hospital Radio Sports. My name is Stuart Taylor and the plan is for the next half hour or so that we'll be picking over the best of the recent sporting action, not just in Yorkshire, but also further afield, if we must, as well as looking at what's in store this coming weekend. I say we because I'm joined by two of my Leeds Hospital Radio Sport colleagues, Jim Walker and Bill Dale. Both of whom are never shy of expressing a sporting opinion or two, or come to think of it, never shy of expressing an opinion on anything you want to talk about. Hi, both. Hello. Hi, Jim. Hi, Bill. Well, we've got plenty to talk about this evening. We're going to to start with local football, but um, we're also going to talk about uh, cricket, um, um, if we must, and uh, England's uh, recent humiliation in the... West Indies will be top of the agenda, and uh, if we get time, we might touch on uh, on rhinos and what's going on with these rhinos at the moment, and then we'll we'll end up with um, with our sporting moments of the week. So we'll start with local football, and we'll start in the Premier League with uh, with Leeds United, and um, well, it just feels like we're over Marcelo Bielsa now, um, and there's a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth at the time of Marcelo Bielsa's departure. But uh, Lee's now under new coach Jesse Marsh. They've got a couple of wins under the belt, dramatic wins, of course, both. Um, we've had the international break, so it just seems like Jesse Marsh has had time to get his feet under the table. And uh, Lee's play Southampton this weekend. It's Saturday, three o'clock kickoff, which is unusual. Uh, full coverage on Leeds Hospital Radio Sport if you're still unfortunate enough to be in the Leeds hospitals. Um, but uh, Bill, Leeds going for three wins on the bounce. How do you feel about Leeds right now? I feel quite positive about Leeds right now. Um, having been um, at the uh, mm. the Norwich game, um, mm. uh, which was absolutely fantastic upon the uh, the gantry. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, I, uh, I parked my car up um, next to a very smart Aston Martin 40DS was the uh, private registration place. So I think I was sat next to or parked next to Delia uh, in the uh, the car park, and uh, uh, oh, yeah. she must have had a very uh, dull uh, drive, very disappointed drive all the way back mm. to uh, uh, to Norwich. Um, but I think Leeds will look back at the end of the season, and, and in that moment. Um, Firstly, Joe Galhart um, showed his mettle. Tremendous header uh, down and uh, for Rafinha to go on that run and, and square it back for him to uh, to score. Um, but it was it will be the moment that changed Leeds United's season um, uh, again. I think it was under sixth or seventh minute against Wolves. Uh, Luke Ayling scored that goal, and all of a sudden, um, I think the uh, the pressure lifted from Leeds. Um, they've now got that seven point cushion. There's eight games left. Um, the Southampton game, to me, um, is it, a really crucial one because I think if they win that, take them to 32 points, and I think they're just about there. Uh, 33, 34 points is going to be enough to stay up this season. Um, and if you look at the fixtures they've got left, um, they go away to Watford after the, uh, the, the, the Southampton game, um, and they then have the luxury of a fortnight until the next game because they were due to play Chelsea. Chelsea have got an FA Cup game. And it's almost like this extra fortnight that they've got. And, and that may be absolutely crucial to uh, Jesse Marsh to um, spend time with his players. The players can rest. We know all about the injury 
problems and so on. Um, and looking at the fixtures further down the line, um, they've got to play Chelsea, Man City. Um, and um, the, 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 there's some, an Arsenal, there's some tough games uh, ahead there. The next two games, I think, uh, are really important. You get those three points against Southampton, get one or three against Wolf, and I think they're just about there. Mm. Jim, Bill makes a good point there, actually, that uh, Leeds are faced with some difficult games towards the end of the season, and these uh, these next two games could be crucial. Uh, you, of course, you're a lifelong uh, Foxes fan, and uh, yeah, you're all right. But um, uh, <laughs> uh, what's the what, what's the, what's the feeling about Leeds at the moment, Jim? Um, my feeling about Leeds is um, I think it was unfortunate that the international break came along when it did. Because I think that um, at that stage they were on a roll. I think the look mm. now being a bit of a week's gap, um, that's the sort of slightly downside on it. The upside for me is that this week's fixtures, the way they are, if Leeds can pull off a result against Southampton, um, you wouldn't hold out a lot of hope for Burnley versus Man City, um, um, Watford at Liverpool um, and Everton at West Ham. Um, so I think there's a possibility for it to be a significant moving weekend um, if they can beat Southampton. I think the portents of that might be quite good, partly because um, Southampton's key players, in particular uh, Ward Prowse and Walker Peters, have both been involved with England um, and Ward Prowse paid pretty well the whole match on uh, Wednesday night. So um, he won't have had this sort of same rest and as far as I could tell I didn't think many of the Leeds players would have been um, occupied elsewhere um, I presume Dallas was was with Scotland was he but um, I, I didn't know whether too many of the others would have been um, doing much at all um, but Bill can put me right on that because I, I, I didn't check it out um, and the other thing I would say about Leeds is that it's a shame they can't draw more games because they either seem to win or lose. And um, if you could just get a few draws under your belt, I think that's quite good for that's quite good for confidence. Um, so, um, so I, I think um, the last two results have been very kind to Leeds. Uh, those two last-minute efforts have really sort of created a mood, and I think Marsh has done much better. I must admit than I thought he would. Um, and so all credit to him. Um, and um, so I think the way the fixtures look um, is is good for Leeds. Um, final point I'd make is uh, I always when the fixtures come out, I always look at who people play the last game of the season because I'm always worried if um, uh, if you've got a, a run at the end. And I noticed that Leeds played Brentford um, in the last uh, game of the season and Burnley play Newcastle. Um so um, I haven't looked at the others, but I, but I could do Watford play Chelsea. Well, that doesn't sound too promising. Um, so, um, so I think Portent is quite good for Leeds, to be honest. Hmm. Well, um, I, I like the the uh, I like your um, designation of this weekend as a moving weekend, and I think we'll, uh, we'll we will now call this weekend from henceforth a moving weekend. Uh, Bill, <laughs> uh, I think you wanted to come back on Jim there, did you? Yeah, yeah. You, you, well, it's almost coming back on the, uh, the the question you asked about Leeds moving on from uh, from from Bielsa, um, mm. and, and, and there is that sense of it. And Jim made the point about draws. Well, 
I, I get the feeling that Bielsa just he, he wouldn't move from his principles, and they were losing four nil and five nil and six nil. Um, and you don't change from that to draws. Um, you know, you change from that to losing two nil or three nil. Um, and I think Marsh has come in. Um, that the, the players are listening to him. Um, I got the sense that he was a remote coach uh, a little bit uh, from the remote from the players. Um, whereas uh, Marshall's room today has got this leadership group of uh, five or six senior players in there, and it's all a bit more touchy feely and so on. And uh, um, I just think there's probably a bit of a change of mood, and I think there's a bit more pragmatism. And I think with that pra- pragmatism will come a draw or two. Um, you know, it could could have been a draw against Norwich, could have been a draw against Wolves, but you know. Um, Turning a draw into a last-minute win, you've got to be on it on level terms on uh, on, on ninety minutes plus. Uh, and I, I think there is that pragmatism there now about Leeds. Yeah, interesting point you make, actually, Bill. I, I don't think it could have been it. I don't think it could have been less touchy-feely amongst uh, 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 when Marcel Marcelo Bielsa was in charge. I, I think he went days, if not weeks, without speaking to the players. Uh, and, and you're right. And Jesse Marsh is it's probably at the other end of the scale. But interestingly, I, I heard an interview with uh, Rodrigo um, yesterday, actually, who. Uh, who really seems to have taken to Jesse Marsh's um, method, his uh, his tactics, and I guess you, 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 uh, of course he would because he, he clearly Marsh thinks Rodrigo's a key part of it, and uh, and maybe is actually playing to Rodrigo's strengths because let's not forget Rodrigo has played centre forward for Spain and has very rarely occupied that role for uh, for, for Leeds because of Patrick Bamford and so on and so forth. But uh, Mar- Jesse Marsh seems very, very quickly to have identified uh, how he can uh, get the best out of Rodrigo, who, of course, has been Leeds', his, his Leeds United, and he remains Leeds United's record transfer fee at uh, whatever they paid, £28 million. So, you know, you'd expect him to be a, a leader, and I think he's... Uh, He's blown hot and cold during uh, Bielsa's regime, but uh, scored twice in the last two games, and uh, March is, seems to be getting the best out of him. So, what, what, what's the injury position at the moment? Is there any chance of anybody returning soon? Well, um, sorry, Bill, go on. Yeah. Well, I've been reading up on this this evening. Uh, I think Liam Cooper and um, Calvin Phillips are available. Um, I think Bamford is probably just about written off for the season. Um, it's certainly out for six weeks and I think there's eight or nine weeks to go uh, and I think the general view is that if Leeds are safe he will yeah. not be playing uh, yeah. This, this year I can't remember the technical details but it's something to do with the, the sole of his foot and it's, uh, uh, it was, uh, it's played with um, uh, a ligament that's had a problem that is now ruptured uh, and, and needs complete rest um, I think beyond that it's just Jamie Shackleton's injured um, Tyler Roberts is out for the uh, for the season, but the, the, the tend to be more uh, junior Furpo is on the mend apparently, but um, I, th- I think they tend to be sort of more fringe players really, apart from Furpo, um, who, uh, um, who who were injured. And there's the, a lot of talk about what sort of signings that uh, Leeds make uh, going forwards, but it all hinges on this this next two or three games getting those points in the in in, in, in the bag. A lot of talk about Phillips um, signing a long term uh, contract. Um, a lot of talk about um, Leeds signing a couple of American players: uh, Dest from Barcelona, Aronson from Salzburg, from the uh, uh, the transfer uh, window, and it all hints at uh, uh, the 49ers buying out uh, Radrizani and 
pouring their money in and trying to get a an American facing club from a marketing perspective um, uh, in the uh, the Premier League. But it all hinges on that securing the Premier League uh, status. Mm. It sure does. It sure does. Well, that's uh, that's Leeds uh, done. And uh, just a reminder, they're at home to Southampton this weekend. The kickoff is three o'clock on Saturday afternoon in RS11. And we'll have our Leeds Hospital Radio Sport broadcasting team of Andy Mason, Ian Marsden and Andrew Dalton in place in good time to bring you full match commentary if you are still uh, unfortunate enough to be in one of the Leeds hospitals uh, on Saturday afternoon. Full match commentary from three o'clock. So please do tune in. Right. We will run through very quickly the rest of our local football because I do want to get on to cricket. Uh, so I'll just um, we'll talk about Huddersfield very, very briefly uh, again after the championship, after the international break, I should say. Uh, Huddersfield resume championship action tomorrow night against Hull. They're away at Hull um, uh, tomorrow evening. Um, the championship resumes the its uh, its own arm wrestle. Uh, town, of course, 17 league games unbeaten until they went to Millwall uh, midweek three weeks ago, lost 2-0. And then I saw them completely dismantled uh, 3-0 by Bournemouth at uh, the John Smiths a couple of weeks ago. Outplayed, outclassed, end of any aspiration of uh, of automatic promotion. And um, now it's about... Town trying to secure a playoff place, and uh, that's going to be pretty tricky because there are probably about eight or nine teams that uh, could claim uh, the playoff places. Um, Hull, they got Hull tomorrow night. Hull haven't got a lot at play for. They, of course, they've just been taken over by a, a Turkish entrepreneur uh, with a new manager in place, uh, Grant McCann having left. Um, so Town will just hope to get back on winning ways. Bill, say much of Huddersfield. What do you think? I've seen a bit of Huddersfield. Um, I like the way they play. I like the manager, Carlos Corbyn. Um, I've talked to uh, Huddersfield Town fans who uh, would have settled at the beginning of the year for uh, you know, mid-table mediocrity and, and, and are really quite excited and uh, um, glad to be in the mix uh, and always yeah. surprised to be uh, in, yeah. in the mix. So, uh, um, they're in fourth place. Uh, the, the teams with games in hand are out. Them seem to have uh, played a few, quite a few of those games, and they're sort of back onto uh, parity as far as that's concerned. Um, I think it's a three or four point cushion between themselves in fourth place and seventh place. Um, but there's still those sort of uh, seven or eight games to go uh, around them. Um, I think if they really wanted to be end up in the, the playoffs, they probably need to be going to Hull and get to him back with three points. Um, yeah. But, Hull haven't got an awful lot to play for. They probably need another win after their remaining games to be absolutely safe. But they're, um, I think, a dozen points clear of uh, the drop zone. And uh, you know, I think psychologically, they're not quite on the beach yet. It's, it's a bit early for that. Um, but uh, I, I think Huddersfield, if they, if they really fancy the chances of, uh, of, of uh, rolling the dice in the, uh, uh, in the playoffs, We'll look at that and think we need to uh, we need to win because, like you say, there's there's, there's seven or eight clubs in the mix, um, and uh, somebody will win and somebody will close that gap, and, the, and that four point gap all of a sudden becomes one point gap, and it's the pressure and so on. So uh, 
Um, uh, I think they'll look at that and think we need to go there and get three points. Yeah. Um, if you were a Hull player, would you be um, looking forward to an all expenses um, paid, uh, an all inclusive holiday on a beach in Turkey? Um, well, I've had uh, one or two very pleasant uh, um, uh, holidays in Turkey. Kalkan in particular, I can, uh, can <laughs> highly recommend. Um, uh, look, these guys are professionals. Um, and the, like you say, there's a new manager in there. And they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're all on different sort of contract profiles and so on. And uh, um, yeah. they're looking to uh, improve themselves. Uh, it's a good game, just the new owner. So uh, um, yeah. uh, they won't give it away. Um, but... Uh, um, you know, sometimes it's that last one or two percent, isn't it, in the uh, um, in that kind of competitiveness that uh, that delivers. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, I'm keen to talk about cricket, but before we do, let's just uh, dip into League Two very, very quickly because I want to do, get Jim's uh, view on his uh, local side, Harrogate Town, um, our, our own West Yorkshire side, Bradford City are locked together, actually, with Harrogate Town at the moment, both on, uh, they're in 14th and 15th places, respectively, both on 47 points, uh, both have seven games left, Bradford are ahead of Harrogate on goal difference, they're both, um, both minus goal difference, but uh, Bradford just ahead. Um, Jim, your local team is Harrogate Town, um, they've not been on a great run re- recently, of course, it's well known that the um, uh, the chairman and the manager are father and son. What do you think the relationship is like between chairman and manager right now at Harrogate? Um, you've got to remember, I think, that this is only their second season in uh, uh, in the division. Um, and uh, they did well last year to get used to being in that division. Um, I thought they recruited very well over the summer. Um, but sadly, like a lot of teams, um, their injury crisis has been disappointing over the course of the year. I mean, these things happen and you have to sort of live with it. So consequently, um, I, it's very rare they've actually been able to name a full quota of people on the bench. Um, usually they've only had five or six or six most of the time. Um, so they've struggled a bit with that. Um there's no doubt that the defence has been the bigger problem, uh, despite um, having tried different systems. Um, they've not really sealed and cemented it up um, as well as they should have done. Um, but forward wise, they recruited um, Armstrong in the summer and he's done really well. Uh, Pattison has done well, who they recruited from uh, Middlesbrough. Um, they had a couple of loanees from Huddersfield who've been sort of in and out. They got Jack Diamond back from Sunderland. Um, so I think they're, uh, they're an average mid-table side. Um, and I think um, while obviously had it not been father and son, possibly a few months or a month or so back, there would have been, well, we've got to change the manager. Um, but I think sometimes you've just got to accept that you can't win every week um, and that... Um, uh, Sometimes um, you've just got to accept that you've got to ride out the storm. And they did that very well last weekend when they won 3-0 against Scunthorpe. They've got another good chance this weekend because they're playing Colchester, who are also down down the bottom. So um, disappointing if they don't get at least a point on uh, the weekend. Um, and so 
um, I think um, I think most people in Harrogate are pretty satisfied with performance um, and would like them to kick on again next season when hopefully you know they'll have a, a more settled uh, set of defenders who are free from injury. Yeah, uh, that, that's uh, that's a great summary, Jim, and, and I think any Harrogate Town supporter uh, would, you know, would you, they must be just so happy that that you know it's now it's now two years in the football league, and uh, that's a, that's a great effort um, with Irving um, Irving Weaver, the owner, and his son Simon Weaver, who I think is the football league's longest serving manager now. He is, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, right. he's, he's been there twelve years or so, and uh, you know he's been through all the sort of non-league stuff and. Uh, Taking them through to uh, to the football league, he's um, he's seen them win at Wembley. Uh, it's it's a great story actually, and um, uh, along may that continue. And we look forward again next season to two more West Yorkshire versus North Yorkshire derbies at Valley Parade and at um, uh, at, uh, at Harrogate. And Mark Hughes will be at Harrogate next season. Goodness me! Yes. Well, well, well. I, think, I, think, I say he might be. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot more pressure on Mark Hughes than there is on uh, Simon Weaver. Let's absolutely that. right, absolutely right. Right, we're um, times moving on, so we haven't got a great deal of time actually to talk about cricket, but we we must talk about cricket. Um, England uh, during the course of last week uh, got absolutely hammered in the third and deciding test against the West Indies in Grenada. Hammered in three and a half days. 10-wicket defeat, a thoroughly deflating experience, a woeful batting. Uh, we were promised a new era. We were promised a better atmosphere. But it's turned out, Bill, to be the same old, same old. England haven't got a managing director. They've no head coach. They've got a beleaguered captain uh, hanging on by his fingernails. And for all his desire to continue, if you were Joe Root, Bill, what would you do right now? Oh, I think if I was Joe Root right now, personally, and this is not me advising him, but I think I would say, do you know what? I've probably had enough. Um, and I think I'd want to uh, um, retreat back to uh, the ranks um, and, and, and carry on with my uh, my batting, um, which has done I – mean, it's amazing, his, his output over the last 18 months, given yeah. Uh, yeah. the batting yeah. under – uh, the results uh, uh, against it, but um, you know it breaks people. Um, you, 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 you look back over the years and, and, and think of uh, you know tearful departures of Michael Vaughan and, and, and um, you know other other captains in international cricket, but especially the England job. Um, and uh, I just really don't know what to battle on. Um, but you know, full, full marks to him. He's, he's a fighter, uh, and, 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 and good on him. But um, I do worry about the, uh, the 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 whole England setup. But that's another perhaps another conversation to come back to in a minute or two. But to ask you a specific question, um, I don't know why he wants to carry on. But um, having said that, um, he's a team man, and there's there's nobody waiting in the wings, is there? No, I, I I don't think there is, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I, I've racked my brains about this, and you know, Stuart Broad's being floated as a potential stopgap. If you look across the county teams, are there any, uh, you know, prospective captains there? I, I don't think we'd really want to go back to the time. Well, 1981, and we appointed Mike Brealey as captain. 
Um, it chipped in with a few runs, but um, I'm not sure we want to go back to that. But Jim, um, with England test team or the England men's test team, it's now one win in 17. So is it in the best interests of the team that um, Joe Root steps down and we go with a new captain? What's your view? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, uh, I'm sorry to keep harking back to this because I always do, but uh, I was there at Lords when Middlesex wanted 460 odd, I think it was, to beat Yorkshire, and they got them for two or three wickets, uh, and Root was captain. And I thought, well, if if you if you're not necessarily going to win the game, but if you can't defend 465 on the last day of a championship game. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't say a lot, um, and I've I've never had, I'm afraid, high expectations of him as a captain. Partly because he hasn't been captain. I mean, who is he? Who has he ever captained before he captained England? He never captained Yorkshire for a for a season or anything like that. So consequently, I don't think he he got the experience of managing players and managing situations that you need at that level. And sometimes you've just got to be a bit more forceful. And he, he seems a nice lad. Um, but sometimes, you know, you need more Brian Close than you do um, softly, softly. And, uh, you know, you've got to be a bit more aloof, I think. And, and you've got to have a relationship with the coach and, and, and that as well. And I don't think, you know, the, you, you, you don't feel that there's that pairing that you get with Australia now, I mean Australia, of course, have got rid of Langer because the players didn't like him. Well, you know that. <laughs> I'm afraid I don't go for that approach either. You know, it's not the players who are choosing the choosing the coach and the manager. It should be the should be the the, the selectors and that that person who's in that job is there to achieve a purpose and and to choose who they think is the best group to do that. And you make the analogy with Brearley, um, but Brearley was very successful because. You know, you look at what he got out of people like both of them, and you need somebody in that role who is going to get these people to actually believe in themselves and perform better. Um, and I wouldn't personally rule out Owen Morgan, because um, I think as somebody who uh, it seems able by his demeanour and by his approach and by his ability, even if he's not scoring a fat load of runs, to just get the team winning. I mean, it's the yeah. team that matters, not you know, how well does Joe Bloggs do or, or A, B or C or whatever. Um, and I think to appoint Ben Stokes would be an absolute disaster. Um, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think he's got the right... I mean, it's already all lead by example, but, but that's not what you want necessarily. You need people to, to, to know how to deal with players. And yeah. So, yeah. so personally... Um, uh, I think there's, there's there's a lot of personnel issues in the team. Um, and I think the one problem that they've got is that there are so many international matches that people, once they're in that little setup, that little bubble, then they're going to be there because th there's never enough time to be playing anywhere else for anybody new to come in. Um, and so you've got to have a group there and somebody leading that group who inspires them a bit. So um, uh, I agree it's a difficult one, but yeah. um, I think you've, you've, you've got to get the right manager in place. I think getting rid of Smith as a selector was a disaster than what yeah. Giles was doing. 
because yeah. um, yeah. that was system was working well. I thought with 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 Smith and James Taylor, but anyway, we're we're away <coughs> from that now, and uh, um, yeah. and the, but they've got to regroup quick because they've got New Zealand coming down the track. <laughs> They're not going to be easy. Yeah. No, I, I I I take your point about Mark Brewley. I'm I'm actually I have to say I'm one of Mike Brewley's greatest fans because uh, you know all the time I play cricket, um, I, I've captained a lot of teams and captaincy is, is has been for me has been almost a um it's just been a a, a subjective interest and Mike Brewley's written some great books actually on on mm-hmm. the art of captaincy and and uh, I I actually Jim I think you've hit the nail on the head. The man for me is like you. It's Owen Morgan because, uh, and, uh, you know, he can bat six or seven, he can bat wherever he wants. But at this time, he's the man because he has proved, he's proven that, um, you know, in the one day setup that they can guess the, get the best out of players. And I'm absolutely with you. I think Stuart Broad, you know, as, as a one-off, I think that's complete madness. Ben Stokes doesn't want the job particularly. I think Owen Morgan, he's the man. He's the man to, uh, to, to get the best out of, out of the team. I, I, I really do. Um, Bill, we're, we're running out of time actually. Um, so we're going to move on to sporting moments in a meet, in, in, in a moment, but, um, just you, you, your final thoughts. Uh, you, you, of course, you've got a, you've got a, um, a, a family connection to one of the newest, uh, England recruits in Alex Lees. Let, let's just tell us about, your thoughts on Alec Lees? Yeah, is, well, has he got more work to do? Is he in credit as a result of the West Indies tour? Where are you with it? Well, where, where I'm with it, I've, I've, I've put, um, jotted down some notes here, you know, root, captain, question, Mark, Bro, Broadstoke, Morgan or whatever. And then I put beneath it positives from the tour. Um, and let's face it, England were on top for two two games, but they had that nightmare session, and and and, and that seems to be a, a recurring theme. Um, but positives, I put down uh, Alex Alex Lee's um, uh, relative, um, and uh, um, I thought he did well. Um, he, 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 he looked like an opener who could play Test cricket. Um, now um, uh, Mike Atherton described him in the Times as. Uh, Spoiling the view, um, scoring yeah. uh, thirty runs off about one hundred and forty balls. Um, but in that horrible collapse, he was—he opened the batting. He was seventh man out, top scorer on thirty-one. And um, um, you, you can't help feeling that um, he certainly penciled himself in for the for the next two or three uh, Test matches. Um, and uh, you know, having a dower opener who can stick there for for two sessions and score an ugly forty. Um, is an awful lot better than being 13 for three um, time yeah. and time again. Um, and, and maybe you build from that. But, uh, um, you know, I think he needs to drop anchor and, and, and prove he can play test cricket. And I'm sure he'll grow into his, uh, um, you know, his wider skills uh, beyond that. Uh, the other positives I put down were uh, Sakeem and Mood. Um, I thought, um, uh, you know, he, he got the ball reversing and it showed a little bit of something that was different to what we'd seen uh uh, before, um, but where they go from, they need somebody to step in. I think Morgan's a really good call uh, on it. Um, going back to Jim's point about the uh, that, that game at, down at Middlesex where they couldn't defend 400 and whatever it was, and uh, um, I subsequently, about two or three weeks later, watched um, uh, Yorkshire against Somerset, uh, Headingley, 
um, again captained by Joe Root, and apparently his nickname in the in the uh, the changing room was Crapton. Um, <laughs> that's what that's what is, uh, and it was light-hearted, I'm sure. But um, you know, a lot of nicknames uh, do have uh, an origin somewhere, don't they? Of uh, um, of truth. Wow. So. <laughs> So that's uh, that's Joe Root done. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think we'll uh, just we'll close out by saying, that, of course, uh, I, I, I do congratulate uh, Alex Lees, the former Yorkshire batsman, and now, of course, uh, uh, learning his trade with Durham. Um, Bill, I'm, I'm really pleased that you pointed out the real success of the tour, uh, the Lancash- Lancashire bowler Saqib Mahmood. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm only uh, disappointed that the Lancashire bowler Matt Parkinson didn't get a uh, get a uh, get a run during the series because I think he he could have done something on the certainly on the on the roads that they bowled in in the first two uh, tests. Anyway, um, that's um, that's England men's cricket done for now. So we'll um, we'll move on because uh, our um, uh, Lee Hospital Radio Sport chairman and uh, producer of this program, Andy Mason, will already be champion of the bit because we've overrun. Uh, so we'll move on swiftly. And if we can keep uh, sporting moments of the of the week fairly brief, that would be great. Bill, we'll start with you. Well, I was going to go for uh, Will Smith's right hook against Chris Rock at the Oscars. Oh. Um, I've settled for something that I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, and it was uh, Barcelona ladies against um, Real Madrid ladies pulling in upwards of 90,000 into the new camp last night. And, uh, um, you know, ladies football just been on that absolutely upward curve um, and uh, bums on seats. And, and people have always said, why, why are men played more, more than ladies? And the answer is, well, it's eyeballs. And, and they've got bums on seats there. And, and I think that's, that's tremendous. And it's yeah. a sport that's really going somewhere as ladies football. It's what? What do you say it is? Eyeballs. Well, it's, it's, it's eyeballs, isn't it? It's people watching the game. Eyeballs, of course. Right. Again, whether, it's on, whether it's on a screen or whether it's uh, uh, live in the uh, yeah. in the stadiums. But uh, yeah, yeah. 90,000 of them there, I think it's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Viewers. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Bill. That, that's a really, really uh, great sporting moment. I love that. Jim? Uh, just one quick thing before we do that, and that is that Tonight has been the meeting of Yorkshire, the emergency meeting. Um, and just to report, because I've just had a message from uh, uh, our erstwhile um, uh, uh, chairman, um, uh, Tony Chalk, to say that all three of the emergency motions uh, were passed comfortably. So hopefully that res- secures Yorkshire's um, position on the international stage yeah. for, the, for the summer. Uh, my sporting moment um, concerns a world record. Um, and normally when world records get beaten, particularly if they've been been on the books for five years or so, it's by the odd inch or minute or whatever. This world record was beaten by nine days. What? Um, a, a Yorkshire lady uh, by the name of Victoria Evans, if you've not heard of her. Um, and she's just set a new world record for the fastest female solo rowing across the Atlantic Ocean. Whoa. She rode 2,962 and a half miles in a world record time of 40 days and 19 hours, beating the previous record of 49 days and seven hours set by another Britain, uh, Kiko Matthews, in 2018. 
She left Tenerife on the 11th of February, 12 months later than she was hoping to have left because of the pandemic. But nevertheless, she left and she arrived at Port St. Charles in Barbados on Thursday, the 24th of March. Um, she's a lawyer, comes from Huddersfield, 35 years old. And before she'd done this, she'd never previously rowed at all before no. she took up the challenge. Wow. So good on you. Uh, good on you, Victoria. Uh, a good Yorkshire uh, Yorkshire story, grit and determination, um, something that the England cricketers could take heed of. Um, and so she is my sporting moment of the week, trumping North Macedonia, kicking Italy out of the World Cup. <laughs> well, well, that's brilliant, Jim. Well, um, well done, Vicky. That's a fantastic story. Um, that just that's incredible, isn't it? That she'd never rowed before. Yeah. And then she gets in a rowing boat and rows across the Atlantic in, in record she's time. She's hoping to raise £50,000 for women in sport. Well, that's uh, that's a mere bagatelle. She should, the, the, yeah, we should all be uh, chipping into that. That's fantastic. So, well, uh, well, I'll finish then. So we've had... Um, We've had uh, women's football in the new camp. We've had uh, Vicky Evans rowing across the Atlantic. And my sporting mo- moment of the week actually unfolded before my very eyes this morning as I watched uh, England's women cricketers uh, qualify for the final of the um, the England women uh, of the Women's World Cup in New Zealand. Uh, England, of course, the holders that beat uh, India in 2017 at Lords in an incredibly exciting final. Um, Semi-final uh, this morning against uh, South Africa was was very one-sided. Thanks, firstly, to a swashbuck buckling uh, 129 by Danny Wyatt, the England opener. She was dropped five times on the way to 129, but uh, a career-defining innings for her. But um, uh, the, my sporting person within this sporting moment is uh, Sophie Eccleston, who's uh, the England. Uh, left arm spinner. Uh, she plays for Lancashire. Uh, that's where she's learned to trade. Uh, she is the world. She's uh, number one bowler in the world actually at the moment. And uh, she came onto ball with South Africa were eighty odd for four. She took the final six wickets. Ended up with six for thirty odd. And it was just a masterclass in left arm spin bowling. And she did it with a smile on her face. The reason she had a smile on her face was she is just. And she's right on top of her trade, and uh, she was that smile was all about confidence as much as as much as anything else. And uh, if you get the opportunity just to see that, just remind me, did, did you used to bowl, Stuart? Uh, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> did, 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 I, I had a feeling that the, that that was the case, Bill. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Were you a pace bowler or was it spin? Uh, I. I, 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 I I, I started life as a left arm spinner. I got the yips in in, in my very early twenties and lost the uh, yeah. lost the plot and didn't have the courage to restart. So I'm a I'm a, a former member of that uh, spinning union. And uh, in in the in the week in which we said goodbye to uh, the greatest spinner of all time, I think it was absolutely fantastic that uh, to see uh, Sophie Eccleston. And she's only 22 years old. She seems to have been around the England setup forever. She's 22. She's six foot. Uh, and as a result of being six foot, she also gets that that bounce as, as well as spin. And it, it was it was just fantastic to watch. And she just she just ran, it was one of those occasions where she ran through uh, the batting side quickly and they went from four down to all out within uh, uh, within no time at all. And um, yeah, I was uh, I was just thinking back to, uh, you know, when I 
did a bit and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted for her. And uh, England play Australia in the final in the early hours of Sunday and uh, Australia just playing with um, almost that, um, you know, I'm not going to say arrogance. I'm going to say that confidence that uh, they're going to win the thing. England are the defending champions. Come on, England. Yeah, indeed. Right. Well, it's been great, Bill. It's been great, Jim. That's a really, really good uh, run through. I've really enjoyed that. Uh, thank you very much. We'll, we'll wrap it now. So um, it just remains for me to say, uh, firstly, thanks to Bill and Jim. And uh, uh, most importantly, to uh, to wish our listeners in the Leeds hospitals uh, a speedy return to health and uh, back to your families. And uh, don't forget, um, for those of you who might be listening to this on Friday evening, we will be covering the Leeds Rhinos versus St. Helens game at Headingley kickoff 8pm. Tune in to Leeds Hospital Radio for full commentary. And then on Saturday, tune in for full commentary of Leeds United versus Southampton. In the meantime, we'll be back next week. But from Bill, Jim and myself, for now, it's see you soon.